Thank you so much for joining us today. God wants to use people like you to help build his kingdom. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to serve in the local church. If you want to get involved with College Park Church, visit collegeparkchurch.org and click on Get Involved. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org to choose the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I don't know if I just have so much energy. Um, normally, my wife says when I have like a lack of sleep, I know I'm normally crazy. Like I normally have more energy. Um, I had three kids. Normally, when my wife normally leaves, um, the tradition when my wife leaves, that all the kids sleep in the bed with me. Lord Jesus, I think I got kicked six times, um, twice in my face by Gavin, once in my face by Gracie. I woke up, I thought someone turned the heater on. No, it's just all three kids laying on me at one moment. I was like, I got to get out of here, man. <laughs> it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I, I sneak off to Gracie's bed so I can get at least a couple hours, two hours of sleep, you know what I mean, on my own. Um, but like I say, nothing prayer and monsters can't fix, you know, monster drinks. You know? Zero calories, though, zero calories, zero calories, you know, like that works any. <laughs> um, are you ready for the word this morning? All right, all right, that was, hold on, hold on, that was a little pathetic, that was a little pathetic. Can you at least give more round of applause for the people online viewing this on Facebook or on YouTube? Let them know we love them this morning. It's great for them to be listening to this either today, tomorrow, or later on next year. Thanks that you would spend your time to be able to hear God's word through this house. Um, If you have your Bibles, um, we're starting a new series called... um, It's just been a, a, a massive to- topic. I was going to start it today, but we ended up um, starting it last week, um, a, a series called What Is. We talked about what is strength. I was going to talk in the, about what is grace and what is faith, but because of last week's message, it's leading me into a new message that I want to talk to y'all um, today, and that is what is real life? What is real life? Because God's word says he came to give you life. He, came to, he didn't come to give you a religion. He didn't come to give you an amazing democracy in America. He said, I have come to give you life, and not just any kind of life, but an abundant one in him. You know, last week, something that spurred the message that we're going to talk about today that has fired me up all this week came from this, this, this whole entire thought that God has just been leading me and guiding me throughout the last seven days, and that is this this whole entire thought. When I gave my life to the Lord, when I crossed over the line of faith, just like so many have over the last few months, over the last few years here at College Park, which has been, man, I think I, was, I had somebody count the last two years. We've had over, 100, over hundreds of people give their life to the Lord. One of the things that is so frustrating, if you've ever given your life to the Lord, is that you hear this, you hear this, you hear this message, you hear this talk about God wants to give me new life. God wants to give you new life. In fact, Scripture says, oh, "Behold, all old things are passed away, and all things are what new, new." Someone shout new. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a, a, a new goals. He wants to give you new passions. He wants to give you this new strength that you never tapped into. You know, 
uh, a few weeks ago, I was putting a new suspension. I was working on my car or on my Jeep, and I was underneath the Jeep just laying, and I was, you know, unloosing bolts and then tightening bolts. And then for the next three days, I could barely hold things with my fingers because I activated muscles that I haven't used in years. The muscles are always there, but because I never used it, I never had strength when I needed it. But the moment I started using it, I realized that three days later, something that was never there, I tapped into a muscle. I tapped into a strength that I never realized was in my life. But the moment I started using it, man, I started finding weakness in my life. But the weakness in my life isn't there to beat me. That weakness is in my life to show me who I really am. James says, He's talking about God that rejoice when you go through trials and tribulations of many kinds. Someone shot many kinds. You're not going to go through just one trial. You're going to go through many trials. You're not going to have one problem. You're going to experience many problems. Because here's the issue with so many Christians. If you find your life, though, experiencing the same problem over and over again, that means you're an amateur in the faith. You're immature in your walk with the Lord. Because those who are strong in the Lord, your reward is a greater trial. Your reward is a greater test. Your reward is a greater adversary to fight. You graduate from the bear to the lion, and from the lion to the Goliath, and from a Goliath to a nation, so you can see the power of God come through your hand. And so what ends up happening in a life, we, we never graduate passing the bear. We never, we never pass the test of gossip. We never pass the test of being impatient. We never pass the test of being inconsistent. We never pass the test. And because we never pass the test, we will, you will always have to retake it. Because as long as you desire to be able to be who God's called you to be, and you have this goal in God to be able to experience a new life in him, you will never experience your new life in him until you pass the current test you're in today. Amen? And so one of the things you, one of the things you got to realize when you're in this walk of faith, in this walk of life, if you want to experience this new life, that every problem, every trial, every pain, you will never be able to get to your destiny until you pass through it all. So you get to a place where you can pass, to where you can push through the pain and push through the inconvenience and realize, like David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am so settled that God is with me. I'm so settled that nothing can touch me. I'm so settled in my life. Now, there might be moments when I freak out. There might be moments when I cry. There might be moments when I'm like, oh, Jesus, how in the world am I going to get through this? But you know what? Even, even though, the, 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 though there's sorrow at night, jump comes in the, joy comes in the morning. Though I'm weak right now, I will turn my heart. I will turn my eyes. I will focus my vision on where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Because he is the one who has saved my life. He is the one who guides my life. And he is the one who breathes new life into me each and every day. Amen. If you have your Bibles, um, we're, gonna, we're just going to um, run into this. Just go into God's Word this morning. Um, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, it says this. Verily, truly, I tell you Pharisees. Pharisees were the modern Christians or the modern church of that day during Jesus' time. Anyone who's, who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in 
on another way as a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Someone shout, listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. You don't lead yourself out. You're just sheep. Verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger. I'm sorry, verse 4. When he was brought out of his own, when he has brought out of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Newsflash, just for some of you who don't understand right now, this is a metaphor he's talking about. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the shepherd, and we are the sheep, all right? Now, when I say that, you know, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a positive thing, him calling a sheep. But he uses figurative speech because the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. In verse 7, it says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Verily, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. But the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the fullest. Verse one through three, go go to that um, real fast. Verse number one. I tell you the truth. He's talking to the Pharisees and he's trying to give them truth. He's trying to give them truth because he wants them to understand real life comes through the word of God because the word of God is truth. Without the word of God, there is no life because life is found in God's word. When God spoke from the very beginning, there was life. When God spoke it, it manifested and it was created and it it was made. God spoke with his words, animals came. God spoke with his words, and humanity was built. God spoke, and everything that we know other than mankind, he formed with his hands, and he breathed life into him. Because with God's words, there is accompanied with God's word, life. Someone shot life. You'll never experience a new life without God's word in your life. And in verse 1 through 3, we see something specific here. In verse 1 through 3, we see God, we see God's words speak out to us, illustrate to us that we have the capacity to hear the voice of God. Do you understand that? Because we live in a generation where we feel like God doesn't speak today. We live in a time because of pain, trials, and tribulation. Does God love me? Is God with me right here, right now, today? And if we're not careful, we will live a life that is so secluded from the voice of God that we end up denying that there is even a God. Because if we can't hear the voice of God, why should we surrender our life to a God? Because you only follow the voice that is speaking into your life today. Verse 4 through 7 goes on to say that we have the ability to not just hear the voice of God, but we also have the ability to not hear the voice of God. That there is a place in a believer's life where you can get so hardened, so far, that the voice of God becomes so numb, so dull to you, that you end up rejecting when he is in front of you speaking to you right here, right now. 
happened to the Pharisees. There is the presence of God confronting a group of people who have spent their entire life wanting to encounter God, and they missed him because they never discerned his voice. I said it last week. I'll say it again. In order to know God's voice, you need to understand his word. And over and over and over again, the last few weeks and last few months, it's been a common theme here um, from the people preaching from, from this platform, is that if you don't cultivate a relationship with God personally, you will remain bulimic. That's the current church today, where people come to church every Sunday, eat as much as they can, but never eat any of God's word through Monday through Saturday. Can you imagine if you live life that way? And yet we know more about our job, we know more about sports, we know more about extracurricular activities than we knew about the word of God today. And we wonder why we have no supernatural life and God, it can happen. But verse 8 through 9, even though verses 1 through 3, it lets us know that we have the capacity to hear God. Verse 4 through 7 lets us know that we have the inability to not hear the voice of God. 8 through 9 lets us know that life is calling you today. But do you hear it? Verse 8 says this. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in, they will go out, and they will have pleasure. Jesus is painting a picture of how life comes to us. Not faith, not marriage, not hope, but real life. Someone shout real life. What is this real life? Life is found by hearing his voice. Life is found by understanding, discerning the voice of God. Here's a crazy thing. So many people today live their life believing in a God, but never hearing or recognizing his voice. So many people go on to work. So many people go on raising their family, raising their kids, talking about a God that they believe in, but can't talk to their kids or to their family or friends about a God that they hear today. A God that they hear in the now. Can I tell you, God is speaking today. The truth is, if you are saved, if you've given your life over to the Lord, you've at least heard God's voice once in your life. Because the Bible says no one can come, no one can be saved unless his Holy Spirit draws them into repentance. The only way you give your life to the Lord is when you hear the voice of God speaking into your life. And here's the promising thing about God speaking into you. You don't have to be saved for him to speak into you. Because how can, you be, how can he speak to you? Or how can the only way that he speaks to you if you're saved when his voice is the only thing that can save you today? That makes no sense. And so he speaks to unbelievers. He speaks to people who are downcast. He speaks to people who are broken. He speaks to people who are in the midst of failure. He speaks to people who have messed up their entire life and has destroyed their ministry, their anointing, and their calling, and their love, their first love with God. He speaks to people today. But are we listening? And do we understand? Do we hear? Can we discern his voice? Because in order to experience a new life, we got to understand. we got to be able to hear his voice speaking today. In fact, he's speaking to you right now. He's speaking all the time. 
I was just talking to Dylan and some other people earlier in Romans 8. I didn't give them the scripture, but in Romans 8, I think it's, in, I think it's starting in verse 19. It says, all the creation is crying out. All the creation is crying out. In other words, what, what is it saying? It's saying, it's screaming to you for you to hear God, to know that God is real, to know that God is true, that God is true, and within him, there is real life. I was just taking my kids uh, yesterday. I've had my, I have a Jeep Wrangler. I have my top down. Um, my wife and other people were like, you better put your top. It's about to rain uh, Saturday. I'm like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Did it rain Saturday? Speak life or dead, people. Come on, somebody. After we left the baseball game, we went, did some stuff, took them to Walmart, got them some stuff, went to Pink Mama's because Gracie did a great job, and I rewarded her for a job well done. Then we, we, we went driving throughout, like, close to Caesar's head, and Gracie goes, Dad, that is beautiful. I'm like, yeah, God made it. God made all that? God is awesome. Yeah, he is. All the creation's crying out for us to see the beauty, the wonder, power, eloquence of who God is. But are we sensitive to be able to discern his voice? Creation's crying out. Life is crying out. His spirit is crying out. In order for us to experience a new life, but in the midst of God, God's voice trying to speak new life, the Bible says in verse 10 that there is an enemy that understands this voice that gives life and he wants to steal this voice in order for you to not have life. And in verse 10, it says this, the thief understands, the thief's purpose, the thief's goal is this, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Someone shout, he wants you to have a full life. He doesn't want you to have a partial life. He doesn't want your life to lack. But he wants your life to be full. He wants your life to be abundant. He wants your life to be overflowing. But if we're living a life that is contrary to that, we got to introspect into our life what voice is speaking life into our life today. Because the only thing that can steal our life is when we allow the enemy to steal the voice of God out of our life. Because if God's voice is speaking, we should, we should be experiencing life. If God is really speaking to us, if his voice is really present in us, there should be a vibrancy. There should be, there should, there should be this passion that is manifested out of our life because when God speaks, darkness has to flee. Death can't remain. But life has to come and be manifested in the here and in the now, in the present, in your current life. That's the power of God's word. And so what is the purpose of the enemy? For you not to hear the voice of God and to be focused on his voice. Because the enemy knows that if he can get the voice of God out of your life, that he can have you remain in a dark, or have you experience a dark life. Have you experienced a life full with anxiety, a life full of depression, a life full with no purpose, a life full with no goals? But if he, he recognizes that if you get the voice of God in your life, you won't have anxiety. If you get the voice of God in your life, you will have goals. If you don't have the voice of God in your life, if you, if you have the voice of God in your life, you will have passion. You will have drive. Because when God speaks into you, life has to manifest in the here and in the now. Because that's what God does. When there was nothing, God spoke. Worlds, galaxies were created. 
When there was a void, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't cry. He didn't beg and plead. Oh, please, let earth come. Let stars and the galaxies and the Milky Way form. He said, no, let it be. And it happens because that is our God. What God do you serve? And what voice are you listening today? Because the voice that you listen today will determine the life that you will live tomorrow. Because here's the problem with so many people who come to the faith, who are young and they walk with the Lord, is that you get to a place where you're, you're in church and you hear about this new life, and it's like, oh, I want to give my life to God. This is amazing. God is going to take all old things. God's going to take all things, and he's going to make them new. Old things have passed away. All things are new. But what ends up happening is you, you, you give your life, but you wake up the next day, and you still have the same life, and nothing's changed. You, your wife's breath still stink. Your kids still poop. Your boss is still frustrating. It's like you, you, you still, you, you don't have a full bank account like you thought you would. God, I gave you my life. Why don't, why am I not experiencing a new life in you? Because it's, it's, it's less about what's going around you and God, and it's more about God doing something within you. Get this this morning. This is where so many people struggle and, and walking in this new life in God. They think that if I give my life to God, everything in the natural all around me should, should, should change. When God knows that if he changes everything around you, but doesn't change the things that are going on within you, you'll go back to the same old thing. And so what God wants to do is he wants to be able to change your heart. He wants to be able to change how you see and how you view and how you speak when it comes to your new life. And so the story after story, we see God's voice speak to us. God's voice speaks to us in the New Testament where it talks about you want new wine? You want to experience a new thing? You better have a new wineskin. I can't pour what this new thing that I'm trying to do in you with the old way that how you used to operate within. That if you really want me to experience, you really want to experience a supernatural, you really want to experience blessing, you really want to experience signs, wonders, and miracles, you got to get to a place where you are willing to let go of every other voice in your life and only listen to mine and how I lead you, and how I direct you, and how I teach you, and how I motivate you, and how I change you, and how I chisel things out and cut things out of your life. But my God, we don't like to be chiseled, and we don't like to be cut, and we don't like to be rebuked. And so the enemy says, you know, like it was in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. He tries to paint your misunderstanding of God's word. Your ignorance when it comes to discernment of God's voice. And we see this all the way in the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of, God, of the Lord. They heard the sound of what? There is a place where you can get in your relationship with God where you can hear the sound of the Lord. They heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. There is a place where you don't even, where you just don't discern the voice of God. But you can even discern when God is stepping close to you in the here and in the now. Do you hear him walking? Do you hear him drawing near to you today? They hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid 
because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 7. Oh, I, I love this scripture here. I love this verses. I love this chapter. I love this book. Because if you don't understand the, the story of Adam, and I don't want to, you know, stand up here and act like everybody understands, you know, what it is, is that in the book in, of Genesis, in the beginning of it all, in the beginning of time, Jesus, or the Lord told them you could eat of every tree, but there are two trees, two trees you can't eat of, eat of the tree of life and the tree of, good, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In the middle of the garden, there was life because God wants you to know at the center of it all, even though there's all these things, life is the center of it. And without me in the center, you'll never experience real life in it. But what happens? Instead of eating the tree of life and experiencing eternity with their life, with God's life, they ate of the tree of good and uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, 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 here's the crazy thing about all this. They could have spent eternity with God if they just ate of the tree of, a tree of life. But instead of spending the entire life with God, they wanted to understand what's right and wrong. Instead of just living a life that is totally surrendered to the Lord, they spent, they want, they rather spend their time, their life, being able to discern and make choices on their own. Instead of being able to live their life totally surrendered to God, they listened to the voice of the enemy to let them think that, you know what? That you can do life all alone. But without God in the center of it all, there is no life. What choices today have you made without God being the center? What decisions have you made where you haven't allowed God to be able to have rule and reign in them? What, what, uh, what, what relationships have you gone in? What, what, what encounters have you, have you been in? What, what movies, music, what, I'm not saying secular stuff is bad, but what in life? Because God wants you to experience new life because he realizes that every voice that speaks into your life can either breathe life or breathe death to you. For every voice is connected to death or life. Every voice that speaks, that is spoken into you, that you allow to speak into you, every voice, a spirit is accompanied by it. There is no voice that you allow in your life that goes unnoticed or unwanted inside of your mind, heart, and soul. Every person, every relationship that you connect to is either building you or destroying you. Everything. Well, it's not that bad. Well, here's the thing God says in his word in Revelation. I'd rather you be really cold or really hot. I don't want you to be in the middle. Another version says lukewarm. You know what he compares lukewarm to? Vomit. It's like throw up. I'll spew you out of my mouth. Being lukewarm is worse than being really cold or really hot. Being in a place where no one can distinguish, do you love God or are you like everybody else? I'm confused. Are you a Christian today or are you just like me tomorrow? I'm confused. God says that place is the worst place for any believer. That is the worst place for your life to ever be. Is in a place where you are neutrally centered. Why do you think this world is finally, you know, fighting when it comes to like neutral gender? 
Because they realize that if we can get everybody neutral, we can get everybody lukewarm. And if we can get everybody lukewarm, we can ex- they can experience death, not real life in God. And so we're living in a time of equality. We're living in a time where everybody wants to be the same. We're living in a time where everybody thinks, you know what, there are multiple ways in order to experience life. But there is only one way to the Father. There's only one way to experience life, and it's through Jesus. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one will ever be able to come to the Father except through him. But when you come to the Father, there should be some kind of fruit that comes out of your life. There should be some kind of joy. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we are remaining him and he remains in us, then we should have strength for today. We we should have strength for tomorrow. I was talking to my son as he was coming in this, this morning in church, and he was, he was so frustrated. He was so angry. And I was like, son, what are you frustrated? What are you angry about? Well, so-and-so did this. And I'm like, son, are you a Christian? He goes, yeah. I was like, do you love Jesus? Yeah. Then let it go, son. Just let it release. Someone shout, release it. It's hard to release issues. It's hard to release problems when they hurt you. I don't know what it is about living life, but... I remember growing up, I, I, I can remember almost every painful situation in my life. How many people will know what I'm talking about? Just nod your head. Don't raise your hand. Just nod your head ever so lightly. You can almost remember every bad thing said to you. You can almost remember every hurtful encounter that you've ever been in. And it seems like every hurtful thing that's ever, that we've ever encountered in our life, we remember but every positive thing that's ever been spoken into our life, as quick as it came in, that's as quick as it goes out. Well, what is the problem with that? Why is it that we keep all our pain, we keep all our issues, we keep all our hurts more than we keep the positive things that God is trying to positively do in our life today? Why do we allow the pain of the past, the pain of unforgiveness, the pain of betrayal to be able to plague us, deter us from new life in God? When God says, you know what, in me is new life. In me there is abundance. In me I can make all things new. But for some odd reason, we'd rather hold on to our old life than experience the new life. But God says, if you want to experience new life, you should be letting go of the old things in order for me to make things new. You will never see God make things new when you hold to things that are old in you. You will never be able to experience the power of God manifest in such a real way, supernatural way, if we constantly go back to who we used to be in our old life. In other words, what I'm trying to say is every voice you have allowed in your life is either stealing life from you or adding things into you today. I remember um, when I was in middle school, Westview Elementary, um, I think it was the the eighth grade. From kindergarten to the seventh grade, I was the A student, always A honor roll. From kindergarten, from, I can't remember, until I think the seventh grade, I always received the most progress reward at Northwoods Elementary School. And so seventh grade, I was homeschooled. Eighth grade, I went to a public school. And in eighth grade, I started, hang, uh, I started hanging out with the friends in my neighborhood. Um, the only problem with the, the people or my friends in my neighborhood is they had a low expectation of life itself. 
And so their expectation when going to school was, let's take all the easiest classes, you know, so we can be able to get the best of grades. Even though I spent the majority of my life always raising the standard, raising the bar in order to be able to upgrade my grades. And so what ended up happening was by the end of eighth grade, as we were going through our transcripts and talking about the type of classes that we're going to take at Stratford High School, the local high school that I was going to, she looked at all the data of my grades because of the people and the voices that they spoke into my life. One year, from kindergarten to seventh grade, I was an A honor roll student. Fifth grade chess master was beating people in high school in the fifth grade playing chess. But in eighth grade, because of one bad year, I had a teacher, my guidance counselor, sit in front of me and says, um, son, you need to take uh, math, um, math tech one and math tech two. I was like, what about algebra? What about geometry? What about um, based on your grades, you're not qualified to take this? And I remember just thinking in that moment, this is the first person in my life other than my dad who said I'm unqualified to do something. And I allowed that voice to plague my life. Throughout high school, I always took the easy route. Throughout high school, I always took, you know, the route that was opposite of being hardest and extreme. But I remember when I gave my life to the Lord my second senior year in high school. I remember everything changed. I remember my sister, my youngest sister was coming in. She was graduating Westview Middle School. She was going to go into, um, she was going to go to Stratford High School, her, her ninth grade year. And I remember just God renewing the joy of life. I remember God renewing the joy of just discovery. Remember when you were a kid, you wanted to discover everything? Or at least I did. I remember when I watched the Goonies. I don't really promote the Goonies now. I didn't realize back then how much cussing it had. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to watch it with my kids when they were three-year-olds. I'm like, oh, my gosh, turn this off, man. It's cussing everywhere, man. I remember just wanting to, you know, discover gold and discover buried treasure. As a kid, you don't, you don't dream to be a dumpster, you know, you know work for a dumpster company. As a kid, you don't, you don't, you don't dream to be a mortician. As a kid, you, you don't dream of working at McDonald's unless you just want to eat that all day. Well, at least one person, I guess. I'm just kidding. No, you, you have goals. You want to be an astronaut. You want to be, you want to be an NFL player. Man, you, you, you have all these dreams. You want to take over your father's business. You, want, you, you have goals. You want to be the president of the United States. But somehow, some way, during life, there is a voice that speaks into your life that says you're unqualified. You can't. And for somehow, for some reason, you allow that voice to be able to live within and direct your life within. I remember my sister, she ended up getting her transcript in. She comes home, and, she, and she, there's this face of concern as she's talking to my mom, and she's talking to my sister, and she's talking to my dad, well, both my sisters continued to ha- upgrade their level of education, upgrade when it came to just challenges. And the guidance counselor, on accident, ended up putting on her transcript that she would take Algebra two and Geometry AP at the same time. Not like one semester, second semester, like both at the same semester, which is unheard of. 
And so my, my mom's like, that's crazy. My sister's like, you better get that churned, blah, 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 blah. Because our standard was lower than her standard. Because we allowed the voices of people in our life to be able to dwindle the voice that says, you can take it, you can go, you can go all the way through. And she came and she was like, Bobby, because that's what they called me. And, and um, she, they're like, Bobby, what do you think? I was like, Esther, you, you don't have a relationship like me and, my, and your sister? You don't have a full-time job like us. You have all the time in the world. More importantly, you have ambition for days. You can do this. My mom and my sister are like, are you serious? I was like, Esther, you need to do it. I bet you you can do it. Make the long story short, she makes A's in all her classes, geometry and algebra too. Guess what she is today, an accountant. How about that, you know? Living in Daniels Island, living in uh, financially stable, all, went to Oral Roberts University, went to Ander- graduated at Anderson University, and she has no debt because she paid it all off. Because she never allowed the voices of other people and their l- low standard to be able to speak death in her life today. But she allowed certain voices, understanding that every voice either is speaking life or death to you today. Every little voice that you allow in your life is either building you up or tearing you down today. It's either building up your faith or it's tearing down your faith. It's either building up your destiny or tearing down your destiny. It's either building up your joy or tearing down your joy. God says, I want you to experience true joy, true life, abundant, and I want you to be able to encounter it today. But will you choose life? Will you hearken to his voice? Will you discern that God is speaking to me right here, right now today? So many are trying to figure out how do I move on in my spiritual journey? What do I do after I give my life to Jesus The journey with Jesus is all about learning his voice, knowing his voice, trusting his voice, and silencing all the other voices all around us. Isn't that the hardest thing in life? Knowing that with God, all things are possible, but all these voices are saying you're unqualified, it's not? Hearing the voice of God saying, you are strong and victorious, but all these voices seem to be just storming your mind. You can't go through. You're going to be just like you used to be last year, last week, the old you. Isn't it a battle? When the voice of God says, I'm going to heal you. But there is that voice saying, God doesn't heal. God isn't there. God can't do it today. What voice are you leaning in and hearing in the here and in the now? Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 8 says this. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Verse 15 says this, as just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. There is a place in life that if you allow your heart to be hardened for so long, you'll never hear him. This morning, uh, Gavin asked me, is mama coming home today? Yes, she's coming home today. Where'd she go? She went to a, she went to a women's conference with some ladies in our church. She's like, or he was like, I hope she has a good time. I'm like, she will. Every time I go off, it's always a great time, man. And so Gavin asked me, what's the best time you've, the best thing you ever experienced 
when you when you've gone off? I was like, oh my gosh. I don't know. There was a when I was flying back from Dallas, son, and I was talking to an, an old tycoon guy about the Lord, and it was awesome. But I think the thing that kicks it, kicks everything to the curb was two years ago. I think it's over two years ago now. I was in Ohio. Um, I never really told the entire testimony, but I was in a, I Ubered to my hotel. This guy asked me, you know, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Really? I'm a Muslim. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and he looks at me, you're a Muslim? Well, the reason why he asked me was because I had like a Nike outfit on and he's like, there's no way you like a pastor. I'm like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> we started talking about life in, um, he told me that he doesn't believe in Jesus. He doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. He doesn't believe that God speaks today. And then all of a sudden, as we're driving to our hotel in Ohio, he asked me, he goes, so what does the voice of God sound like? I'm like, why do you want to know if you don't believe that God speaks? If he doesn't speak, then there's no voice. What, so I should explain to you. He goes, no, no, really. Man. You know, what does his voice sound like? Well, that's, that's, that's sort of hard. It's like, I hear a lot of voices in my head. He's like, I'm like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't hear voices, you know? And so there he is. He's like, seriously, like, how do you hear the voice of God? I'm like, you know, in a practical way, in a practical way, how I hear the voice of God or how I started to hear the voice of God, it's like my conscience. It's like my conscience. I was like, I bet you right now you have a lot of voices in your head telling you a lot of stuff. I started telling him about my past. I actually told him one of the worst moments of my life. I haven't even told my kids and my wife this yet. I just remembered it this week. Today, as I was talking to Gavin, I was telling Hakeem, um, this Muslim, you know, one of the worst moments of my life, I was six years old, I was at camp, I was eight years old, I was at camp, I learned how to twirl, you know, the towels and how to pop people, you know what I mean? Well, I kept abusing that privilege, that right, <laughs> and I was popping everybody when they were getting in the shower and coming out of the shower, then when I finally got into the shower, Exactly, uh-oh. They, not only did they take all my clothes, but they took me and pushed me out the, um, out the place, out exposed to the elements where everybody could see this Asian boys we were in. I remember that was the most humiliating moment of my life as an eight-year-old. I am naked and I am ashamed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to hide... <laughs> There's like this, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it, Jeff. It's like, I haven't even remembered it. It's like I blocked it over the last like two decades. Just completely just ignored this moment. I remember hiding behind this trash can just in the fetal position. And I remember this red blazer, this red Chevy blazer driving. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to see me. Then all of a sudden there comes people outside of this cafe and they and they're looking at me. I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, I'm telling you, man, it was embarrassing. How did I know I was ashamed? It's not like I took a class in elementary school. It's not like they teach that today. It's not like I went to a conference, how to be naked and ashamed. <laughs> you know? How did I know that? Why did I take the shame instead of putting the shame on the people who shamed me? For so long, I had this idiosyncrasy of being open or vulnerable to people all around me. 
that that was the voice that started my entire life where I never wanted to be close to people in my relationships or have intimacy. It is all rooted in that one voice in my life. It's like, Hakeem, man, every voice that you have is because of so many things that have happened to you in life. But how I hear the voice of God, God, I feel it so vivid right now. How I hear the voice of God is, it's in those moments where I'm living life now, there's all these voices you're unqualified like Westview, like my guidance counselor at Westview Middle. I'm ashamed like I was as an eight-year-old at camp because of what all my friends did laughing and taunting me. But I was like, Hakeem, there's this voice. It's like a little kid nagging at me. I'm God and I'm here. 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 I'm God, I'm going to get you through this. I'm God, I'm going to... I'm going to turn it around. I'll never forget this, man. I was like, Hakeem, man, it's like, you're, I was like, I don't watch this show, but Family Guy, I've seen these commercials where there's a little kid. He's like, mom, 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 Literally, that's literally how the clip goes. It's all over YouTube. I remember seeing that clip one time, and I was like, I was telling Hakeem, I'm like, that's how I see God sometimes. He's constantly screaming at me. You know, when I'm, in, when I'm doing good, it's like me. It's, it's like my voice I hear, but when I'm bad, it's like I hear my wife's voice yelling at me. You know what I mean? What are you doing? And so I was like, dude, it's like, that's how I hear the voice of God. And I saw tears literally. I was like, what do you hear right now, Hakeem? because he told me about his past and what his dad did to him. Our stories, our testimonies are like literally just identical. I was like, what God, what's he speaking to you? I need to forgive my dad. Are you going to do it? No, man. I was like, all right. But can I tell you something? Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Because if you harden your heart, Hakeem, you're going to get to a place where God's voice is numb. You're going to get to a place where you're not going to hear his voice anymore. You're going to get to a place where you're going to feel like God isn't real. And he looks at me like, what do you do? You just trust the voice. You trust the voice. It's that small voice that keeps speaking to you over and over again. I love you. It's that small voice amidst all the voices that are so loud trying to just still kill and destroy. It's that small voice. I remember when I was 19 years old in that Sunday school classroom and there was that voice that spoke life into my life. And I remember in that moment where all these voices were just screaming at me. And I remember cussing at my youth pastor. I don't want, I hate my father. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. And the small voice spoke to me. I remember trusting that small voice in that small, short moment. And I remember in that, in that, in that Sunday school classroom, in that one small moment, on that one small day, I experienced the greatest life transformation power that I could ever do, ever experience in my life. I experienced a new life where he took my anger. He took my pain. He took the callousness within. He took every bad moment. He threw it as far as the east is from the west. 
Scripture says in the sea of forgetfulness. Never to remember it again. Because he wants you to know that when you walk into a new life with me, all things are passed away. I don't bring them up when you screw up. I don't bring them up when you mess up. I don't bring them back up like your wife or your spouse or your mom and dad. No, all things are made new. This, this is what blows me with God as he's speaking to Adam and Eve. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, Adam and Eve screw everything up. Like, they messed it up for the entire world, right? The entire world, they, they screwed it up. If I was God, you know what I would ask? See, God asked them, who told you? Who told you you were naked? You know what I would have said? You moron, you messed it up. You had one job. One job. I told you that. You could have ate everything. I told you, just don't eat one thing. Just one thing. And you messed it up. That's what I would have said, but I'm not God. But you know what God focuses on? You know what God pays attention to? The voice that spoke into Adam to see Adam. What voice told you? Because the only voice that led you was my voice. So what voice have you led your life into that got you to a place where you have to be separated from me? What voice have you allowed to identify you that I don't identify you in today? That, I, that with me all things are possible. With me, all things are new. He said the same thing to Cain. Cain, don't you know that if you repent, that if you turn, I'll take it back. But what did Cain do when he killed his brother Abel? The Bible says he hardened his heart. And no longer can he hear the voice of God screaming love. No longer can he hear the voice of God, the steps of God. Because here's what happens when God speaks. When God speaks to you, love is running to you. When God speaks to you, mercy is coming to you. When God speaks to you, grace, favor is coming to you. If you will open up and not harden your heart. That's what happens when God speaks. Love is running. Mercy is coming. Blessings are overflowing. But what are you hardening your heart to God? What thing have you held on to? that you haven't allowed God to have in your life. Because the reason why you can't experience new life is because you keep holding on to the old life. And God says you will only experience new life when you let go, when you deny, when you allow your old life to be crucified because you want to serve and live for my life and my life alone. Would you please stand this morning? Hebrews 4 verse 12, another scripture in the Bible, it says this. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says this. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That is how important the word of God is. And if you are not developing a personal relationship with God, then you will never get the word of God. And if you don't have the word of God, you'll never be able to discern the voice of God. In our generation, there's this new science. My wife was talking to me years ago. It's called forensic linguistics. Anybody know what that is? Forensics linguistics. Try to say that 10 times fast, right? It's the study of language. It's where people, police officers or people who are educated in this area of expertise 
They studied the letters. They studied um, the recordings of serial killers. And through the constant study of somebody's specific way of life, they can tell by just letters or just by a few conversations what part of the country they live in, what kind of education they've had, what kind of person they really are. Through the study, through the study of somebody's words, I believe God is calling a generation to have a spiritual hunger for forensic linguistics and the word of God. That without that kind of study throughout the week, we will never be able to hear or discern or know the voice of God. But when we can dive into God's word, we can experience new life today. And as we experience God's word, we can experience new life all around us today. And if we get into God's word, he will experience new things all day long when we can be able to listen, not harden, receive trust, not run away or retreat from God speaking to us today. We got to the um, hotel. I was talking with Hakeem. I was like, Hakeem, man, it's like, what voice are you listening to? I need to forgive my dad. You gonna do it? Nah, man, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I was like, Hakeem, here, can, I just, can I just be real with you, man, right now? He goes, yeah. When God speaks to you, you can't change the subject. You don't choose the conversation God has with you. He chooses the conversation he wants with you. So if he's speaking to you, do you realize that the creator of heaven and earth, you hear him right here, right now. That is amazing. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy that says, you know what, you're unqualified. Don't listen to the voice that says you're a dead. Don't listen to the voice of your father and the voice of all the people who are speaking into your life, hovering over your life right now. Don't give your life over to him. We started talking about the cross, talking about the life of Jesus. By the time I walked out of that Uber car, he gave his life to God, tears flowing from his eyes because he understood and had a revelation of what new life is. God is speaking to me. God is speaking to me. Do you realize with every head bowed, every eye closed, God is speaking to you right here, right now. God is speaking to you. In this place, at College Park Church, at 11.26 a.m., I love you. His anger isn't running towards you. His judgment isn't running towards you. His love, his mercy, and his grace is coming to you right now. But don't harden your heart. Don't allow the enemy to think, make you think otherwise, that he is a God of no mercy, a God of no grace, a God of no love. No, he is a God whose mercies are new every day. And today, he wants to give you new life. I want to speak to that lady. I want to speak to that man who isn't walking in that life that God has called them to walk in, who isn't walking in abundance, but has been walking in lack, 
who's allowed the voices of so many people over the years to be manipulated by the devil, to make you dwarf, to make you stagnant, to make you deficient in everything that God has called you, designed you to be. And you're saying, I want to experience new life. I want to surrender my life. I want to give my life totally to him with every head bowed and every eye closed. And you're saying, I want to give my life to the Lord this morning. Will you just raise your hand all across this building? I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to give my life to the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to talk to the person who's, who's been struggling in their walk with the Lord. I want to talk to a lady, a man in this place who's tired. Tired because you've been living life for so long. Your faith is being dwindled. Your joy has been deficient. Your vision isn't like it used to be. But this morning, you're saying, God, I want a newness in you. I'm committing, God, that I'm going to keep pushing on. That I'm not going to choose the conversation. I'm going to allow you to choose the subject of choice. And I'm going to allow you to speak into my life. Whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Will you just raise your hand all across this building? That's my commitment. That's my desire. That's what I want. Thank you for that hand. 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 Hands are going. Thank you for that hand. Come on. Can we give God praise this morning for the commitment that is being stirred up, the joy that is being reassured, the vision of what real life really looks like. It's less about what's happening around me. It's more about what's happening in me. So God, change my mind, change my heart, change my life in order for you to use my life to the people all around me. Amen. God bless you.